There's an American farming viewpoint on Brexit on the programme this week. Americans in general have a very positive attitude towards mm. British ad- agriculture. I think they see it as quality production. We'll have the latest from the NFU conference, plus look ahead at the next farming conference happening on Tuesday. Kit will update us on the grain markets after their fall in the week. And it's the end of an era as Nick Morris makes his final appearance on the programme. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Yes, a last update on the beat from Nick in a short while. First, it was the NFU conference in Birmingham this week. Michael Gove was the main speaker on day one, though many thought they'd heard much of it before, mostly at the Oxford Farming Conference at the start of the year. There was plenty of praise for NFU President Minette Batters, though, for her speech and especially this message to the DEFRA secretary. Now, you've said that over your dead body would British standards be undermined, Secretary of State. I am reasonable. (laughs) And I absolutely don't want it written in blood. I want it written in ink. Well, Charles Anion was in Birmingham. As always, it's a great networking event and... Obviously, we had uh, the Secretary of State, Michael Gove, who you know, didn't say anything out of the ordinary. He, he made, uh, I suppose, noises that uh, you know, British produce would be, would be protected. We wouldn't be undermined by lower standard produce from, from overseas. Um, you know, not so much. Well, he, he didn't really touch on on seasonal workers, but um, he, he, in Minette Batter, she made a, a, a real strong speech to open the conference. And in her, I think we've got a really, really strong leader. And um, you know, as we move towards the 29th of March, you know, she was going that a, a no deal Brexit isn't really isn't really a good option. Uh, in her, we've got someone who who will who will rattle all the all the um, all the cages that need rattling in order to, um, you, you know, do the best for British agriculture. It's a year ago this week that she was elected as, uh, as, as president and, and she does, it does feel like she's the right leader at the right time at the moment, doesn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, and, and, and with, the, with this top team of Guy Smith at mm. deputy president and Stuart Roberts at vice, you know, it's a really strong top table. And, you know, Minette herself, she doesn't take any nonsense. We're at a defining moment in British agriculture at the moment. But, you know, as I said to someone at the NFU conference, British farmers are very resilient people. And whatever is thrown at us, you know, we will, we will deal with it. And it'd be very nice that before too long we actually, uh, we actually found out what we were dealing with because, you know, I don't, th- I don't personally think we're any further on than what we were three years ago. So, no, the next, the next couple of months, they're going to be very interesting. And whatever's thrown at us, uh, we will deal with it in our, in our own, own special way. Charles Anion, speaking mostly about the uh, NFU conference. He touched on the Lincolnshire Farming Conference as well. He is chairman. We'll hear from Charles and look ahead to that conference a little later on. First, back at the NFU, another highlight was a session with Jack Bobo, Senior Vice President at Trexon Corporation. He was on the panel discussing the future of food, and naturally, that meant discussing Brexit, as we'll hear in a moment as Andrew Ward got up with Jack after the discussion. First, though, a little more about what they do at Intrexon. Sure. Well, the company I work for is Intrexon, and it's a synthetic biology company that is 
trying to solve the world's biggest problems, the application of biology. And just one example of that are a British company we have, Oxitech, which produces the genetically engineered mosquitoes fighting Zika and dengue and other diseases. But we're also producing non-browning apples and salmon that reach normal size in half the time. So we do all things controversial. That's great. Well, as you can imagine, as you will know, there's lots of controversial things happening in the UK at the moment. And of course, Brexit, what you were talking about this morning. And just um, sort of thinking about that, what is the the view uh, in the US of the Brexit situation at the moment that we're facing? Well, I think a lot of people are watching and worried that this has a negative impact on the UK because Americans are very concerned about our partnership with the United Kingdom and hoping to maintain that strong relationship. So I think that we, on one hand, want it to become an even stronger relationship afterwards, but we want the the part with Europe to be done in a way that uh, doesn't disrupt the lives of people over here. Okay, and do, do you think that the Americans actually look across at, at British agriculture and like what they see or not? Well, I think uh, Americans in general have a very positive attitude towards mm. British ad- agriculture. I think they see it as quality production and it has a great reputation. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've been hearing about food and the theme of the conference today is food and the history of food and the future of food. And it's obviously, as a farmer myself, it's something that I look at. We have lots of environmental features around our farm, caring for nature and wildlife. Is is that the same sort of thing in the U.S.? Do farmers have to do that in the U.S.? Well, I think so. I think uh, farmers are the first conservationists Mm. because they care more than anybody about the future of the land that they work. And do you think with Brexit, if we end up uh, coming out of the uh, EU on the 29th of March without a deal, what what is your view of that? What will that mean to us? Well, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think that uh, the farmers and the people that are here will find a way to turn it to your benefit. And I think it's something that most people haven't given a lot of thought to, what, how we make that work. But I think if people are able to look further down the road and find a place and an opportunity to build new relationships with other parts of the world, it could actually turn into a stronger relationships for the UK. Obviously, I'm a big believer in opportunities and, and uh, with every, every issue, every problem, there's probably opportunities around the corner and you think that's the same with us if we look for them? Yes, I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. And do you think as well uh, that the relationship with the, uh, with the US and the UK will get stronger um, uh, post, uh, post-Brexit? I think so, because I think that there, na- there will be opportunities for the US and the UK to work together on global regulatory issues and trade issues and all sorts of things that just couldn't be done while the UK was part of the EU. And if, uh, if Trump was our Prime Minister, what do you think he would be doing? How would he have gone about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he would have uh, had to run a tough deal with the EU and I think uh, he would have considered it a, a success no matter how the outcome was. And so do you think how, how, uh, how Theresa May is doing it by sort of keeping going back to the EU is right? Or do you think she should have said, these are our terms and we'll wait for you to come and agree to them? Well, you know, I spent 13 years as a diplomat and I, I have to say that most of the time that doesn't work out well because you're putting the other side in a very difficult position and it makes it even harder for them to meet you there. And so I, I think that the give and take is inevitable in negotiation and that, you know, it's probably working towards the, the best solution you can have. That's Jack Bobo. He's Vice President for Global Policy and Government Affairs at Intrexon Corporation. 
Let's take a look at the uh, grain markets then, shall we? From uh, the team at Open Field, Kit Dickinson is with us this week. Hello, Kit. Morning, Sean. How are you? I'm all right. It's better than the markets have been, I think. Yes, yeah, a bit of a bit of a downward trend, really. Uh, certainly on the wheat market, we've uh, seen a six-pound drop on London futures this week, and global exports have continued to weaken over the past few days, with the Liffey playing catch-up despite the tightness in the S&D situation. Cash markets have held relatively firm despite the weakness in the futures last week. The trade seems to be opting for a wait-and-see approach ahead of Brexit, with very little grain coming forward from the farm gate. This is partly due to high prices pre-Christmas and uncertainty as to what Brexit will bring, and if the pound weakens, the prices will rise, seeing an influx of grain to the domestic market. Although the feed-based price has dropped, and milling premiums have expanded up to £18, dependent on region and quality. This is the highest premium we have seen this season, so it is worth resampling your grain and taking advantage of the quality if it's there. Moving on to oilseed rate this week, global oilseed markets continue with great uncertainty around trade talks. With the US export data playing catch-up on Friday, matched with the threat that there may be some announcement of the US-China trade negotiations before the 1st of March deadline. This leaves largely a void, and ultimately it will be the supply and demand of the products in individual countries will be the important for domestic farmers. Prices of oilseed rape in the UK have eroded most of any forward carry and are now almost flat between spot and new crop. This alone could discourage farmers from selling any more on the nearby, especially with prices well off the season highs. The interesting thing to watch in the coming months will be the imports into the EU from Australia. Even with the reported smaller 18-19 crop of 2.24 million tonnes versus the 3.66 million tonnes in 17-18, Australia will still have a tonnage to export, and ships are already heading to the EU. This may just be enough to keep a lid on prices when matched with the strong soybean import number and the various issues being experienced with Canadian canola in some destination countries. New crop EU oilseed rape area and crop prospects remain uncertain, but so does the demand side, which may just put the focus firmly back on the soybean planting and crop prospects. Will this lead to a fundamental market move? Feed beans are in demand on the East Coast ports to cover the pre-sold vessels domestically. There is little demand for feed beans in the UK, and traders sold FAB, free on board, to big premiums, so feed beans did not competitively price. Currently, it appears that the UK crop was smaller than initially thought. Export demand remains for fish food markets in Scandinavia, but traders are finding it increasingly difficult to procure the tonnes to fill the vessels, hence the dramatic appreciation in price. As a result, it looks likely that the fish feed producers will switch to sticky wheat from the Baltic states, and if so, the UK values will fall dramatically. Next week, Open Field will be at the Lincolnshire Farming Conference. We hope to see you all there. Please do pop in and say hello. Moving on to prices. Uh, Feed wheat, uh, March 161 to 163. May 163 to 165. And November 19, new crop, 142 to 144. And as I said earlier, milling premiums are 17 to 19 pounds. Oilseed rate, March 302 to 304, May 305 to 307, November 19, 305 to 307. Again, it is worth taking advantage of these prices while they remain above 300 pounds. Feed barley also taken a dramatic drop in the last few weeks with March at 142 to 144, May 144 to 146. And harvest off the combine as available, 118 to 120. 
Beans for March are 230 to 235, May 235 to 240, and November 19, 190 to 195. Thanks, Kit. Kit Dickinson from Open Field. There are a few weeks left to go on the beet campaign, so uh, let's get the latest from Nick Morris at British Sugar. Hello, Nick. Morning, Sean. What's uh, what's happening then at the factory? Well, we're still getting on pretty well, so around 85% of the way through campaign now. And uh, as ever, I'll always make comment to the weather. We have still had very, very little rain, haven't we? And it's incredibly dry out there. And uh, our harvesting contractors would actually say uh, it's not near perfect, but perfect conditions, um, which is unusual. We're totally satisfied with the weather, but uh, I'm sure Sean will be talking about February Phil Dyke and wanting a little bit more uh, rain just to top up those uh, those dikes uh, throughout the rest of the month. But these conditions are perfect for us to uh, achieve optimum crop recovery. And, of course, we're lifting the crop in these conditions and the growers are then sowing the following crop in near-perfect conditions as well. So couldn't be happier with that. But, um, yeah, there's always time and uh, people say that Mother Nature has a habit of catching up with herself. So let's see when that comes. In terms of the crop itself, quality remains uh, excellent. So sugar content averaging 17.8% for the campaign and it's holding up incredibly well we'd normally have expected it to see a bit of a drop by now but uh, that hasn't been the case also dirt tear the crop remains incredibly uh, clean it's only around averaging five percent dirt tear uh, for the campaign today so really really pleased with the quality and as i've said before we're incredibly um surprised and delighted with the uh, yield of the crop so we now have 350 finished contracts that have finished their campaign for the season and they're now averaging 65.5 tonnes a hectare. And given the season we've had with the incredibly wet conditions in March and April, the crop was sown three weeks late and then it went into a summer drought. Uh, for the crop to be achieving those sort of yields is uh, quite remarkable, remarkable and testament to the capacity of the crop to recover following a challenging season. So delighted with the uh, performance of the crop so far. The factory, uh, as I've reported throughout the uh, campaign, we've had a number of challenges in the factory, uh, but we have um, recovered and got into a nice steady seam of performance at the moment. So we're currently averaging 8,900 tonnes of beet sliced per day, and long may that uh, that continue. Our current performance is averaging around 9.5 on a daily basis, and we hope that will continue throughout the rest of the campaign. So we've got about three and a half weeks left to go, um, and let's hope, uh, as I say, that'll be smooth running with weather and campaign performance. Um, On to the crop. Uh, it's interesting, we're starting to receive quite a lot of calls uh, of interest, whereby um, the, the, the conditions are so good outside, it's nearly tempting to get the drill out and start thinking about uh, sowing next year's crop. Um, we would absolutely insist that it's still too early, despite the how tempting it is and how good the conditions are. So until we see that calendar page flip over into March, we'd say leave the leave the drill in the shed. But it is encouraging, and it could well be a really good opportune time to do half a job on uh, a, a, a seed bed, which is perhaps on heavier soil type, which has just been ploughed, and just to sort of help get that prepared to make this uh, preparation of the seedbed a bit easier when, when March does arrive. 
Uh, and that's uh, that's that's all on the on this on this last crop. So all that's left for me to say is this is actually my last and final report uh, after five years of contributions to the farming program. So thank you for having me, Sean. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm going to be moving to our uh, central office in Peterborough to uh, take up a, a different role there. And my successor, Simon Leeds, will be on the report. Uh, will produce the next report. Who will introduce himself uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Well, Nick, thank you for the five years as well. We've been through some strange times together. We have. We've met in laybys. We we even met in a maternity car park, maternity world car park in one K. We never told the listener this, but we, <laughs> we we recorded your piece when when events were happening inside the maternity ward. I seem to remember. That's right. Yeah, my wife was pleased to see me uh, re- return back to the. Uh, delivery room uh, just in time but uh, we did get the piece recorded so it could go out on air on that Sunday so no thank you for your uh, flexibility and understanding much appreciated. Uh, The pleasure was all ours thanks Nick. Nick Morris at British Sugar and uh, all being well as Nick said we'll hear from Nick's replacement Simon Leeds in a few weeks time. We're going back to the future soon what will the next 150 years of agriculture look like? I wonder if our agronomist Sean Sparling knows. Hello, Yes morning Sean well who knows I mean hoverwell is I think will happen within the next 10 years jetpacks I'm surprised we're not already using jetpacks but when you think how things have changed in the last 150 years even in the last 50 years in this industry where things have really stepped up a pace there's every likelihood you know that with the advances in science we might all still be here in 150 years time saying well, 300 years now since the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society started. You remember when we were talking about 150. Um, so who knows what's going to happen in the next 150. What I do know for absolute certain, though, is that it will be totally different to where we are now. And this will be like the Stone Age to where we are in 150 years. Um, Michael Gove hopefully won't still be in charge, but we will see. We might still be in the EU by then arguing over the backstop. Who knows? Um, right. Let's talk about agronomy then. Um, what a week of weather we've had beautiful daytime temperatures it gradually increased to a peak of 17 or 18 nearly on Friday in sheltered parts I was registering and we've seen the soil temperatures increase to around 7 to 7.4 Now, the net result of that is we're starting to see deficiencies appear in cereal crops in particular as they start to think about growing away. The soils are now warm and mineralising and releasing nitrogen and phosphorus and potash and all the other nutrients. And some of these crops are now showing where the deficiencies are. So you can see manganese, magnesium, you can pick out nitrogen, sulphur deficiency. Um, Nitrogen, by the way, you know when it's nitrogen deficiency and not sulphur deficiency. If the centre of the cereal plant is green and the outer leaves are yellower um, because with sulfur it's the opposite the center of the plant the new growth is yellow and the rest of the plant is green and no amount of nitrogen will correct a sulfur deficiency so check the center of the plant that's where the issue is and that's where you can diagnose whether it's nitrogen or sulfur now on uh, those crops which are showing manganese and magnesium deficiency you really want to be correcting that before you go putting things like caustic herbicides for blackgrass for example on these crops so if there's an opportunity to get out there with a couple or three litres of manganese or some manganese sulfate or magnesium or bitter salts if you need to correct magnesium so do that first get those jobs out of the way and don't be tempted to put a t naught minus one on or a t naught at the moment because you're way way too early for that will you get your money back probably not it's really probably too cold for those fungicides to do a job anyway on those diseases so don't waste your money on fungicides correct these nutrient deficiencies now and while we're talking about nutrient 
Obviously, all seed rate, nitrogen and sulphur is well underway, if not largely complete across the county. So now thoughts on nice warm days and settled conditions are turning to whether we should be top dressing cereal crops. Well, my answer to that is a lot of these crops already look green. They already look lush. There is no point putting nitrogen on those crops. A lot of them have got far more tillers than we ever are going to need. You need between 650 and 700 ears per square metre on a winter wheat crop and between 1,250 and 1,500 ears per square metre on a winter barley crop to get the optimum yield. Well, some of these winter wheat crops have got six or seven tillers and 250 plants a square metre, so they need a little bit of thinning out. There's no point putting nitrogen on a crop when it's clear the soils are mineralising and releasing and keeping those crops green in their own right. We're plenty early enough for that. But if you've got backward crops that need a bit of help, if they're really struggling and showing how much they're struggling, then there is an argument for putting nitrogen on those, probably nitrogen and sulphur as well. But again, watch the soil conditions, watch the travelling conditions, bear in mind the weather forecast, and I know it's dry at the moment, but don't go overboard and throw massive amounts of nitrogen at these these crops because we, this is when I've said it before you'll make your most loss uh, the biggest loss will come from this time of year and that dose of nitrogen so maybe 40 50 kilos of nitrogen at best and expect to lose up to 25 percent of that but in general spring barley crops going in the ground well those delayed for uh, blackgrass control are still being delayed and you can now see that blackgrass coming in these seedbeds so that was the right thing to do but there is spring barley going in spring wheat going in the ground now remember you, you do have uh, triolate now avidex for use on spring wheat as well as spring barley um, it the map number hasn't changed of the product and that means even if it's not on the label you can go to the crd website and download the authorization and use that product if you need to do so if your black grass position is such that you need avidex on it um, but do remember use all the tools you've got available if it's black grass you're after get those preems on and utilize all the tools in the toolbox spring beans going in the ground quite widely now and going in well on a lot of these fields and as far as black grass goes because of the way the autumn panned out we delayed the drilling we got some exceptionally good seed beds the pre-emergence herbicides went on well we got good flushes of black grass out of the way with glyphosate before we started so an awful lot of these fields are pretty good as far as black grass goes there are pockets out there and just make your own call on that if you know atlantis hasn't been working for a couple of years perhaps the best thing is glyphosate rather than putting atlantis on and spending and wasting your money again so as far as things go things are starting to move i'm not sure whether spring has sprung or whether spring is about to spring uh, but you know it, it is what it is and we'll take the weather as it comes but at the moment it's beautiful out there and those pigeons they're still finding the oilseed rape so for goodness sake keep your eyes peeled for them will do thank you sean sean sparling of sparling agronomy services back to charles anion then chairman of this week's lincolnshire farming conference happening in the epic center on tuesday so what can we expect Charles? well we've got a very strong lineup of speakers this year uh robbie moore who you know is a, a, a surveyor up well he's a local local chap but um you know he's a surveyor up in the northumberland area you know he's going to be talking about land ten- tenure tom martin uh well known in the agricultural industry as farmer tom uh he's going to be telling us how uh, about facetime a farmer where the engage well he's he's basically engaged with um with school children getting farmers to facetime school children and they'll ask some questions uh ironically i've i've known tom for a number of years and the first time he mentioned it to me i thought you know is is he is he for real and uh you know it's it's really 
a really great idea. Leaf have taken it up and um, you know it really it's a really good initiative because at the end of the day the key to our success is how we engage with the general public we've got to market ourselves a lot better and it's going to be fascinating to hear from Tom um, about you know that that public engagement you know he should be a really you know really interesting he's a really interesting guy to listen to and it's like as you say it's using that technology isn't it obviously very successful here in Lincolnshire with tractors into schools taking the farmers taking the tractors into schools itself whereas Tom there he's taking the schools to the farmers almost with with the technology that's there yeah no he's well Tom himself is is connected to a a school on on the south coast Mm. and he's facetiming them sort of every every couple of weeks and and getting getting children in inner cities interested in farming and um, you know there's there's nothing more important so we've also got Michael Winter who is going to be uh, y- y- you know telling us discussing farming in the UK and human health which is extremely relevant at the moment we're you know a lot of people in the media uh, we, we're, we're coming under the cosh a bit about safety with glyphosate etc etc and it's going to be uh yeah no a very relevant very relevant topic at the moment because you know at the end of the day <laughs> there's a lot of people out there who, who 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 don't really understand the science we use and um you know just assume it's bad and as an industry we've got to we've got to try and point out that um it's not food has never been safer than it is today and um yeah no so that should be that should be fascinating. Jake Freeston, who farms at Overbury down near Tewkesbury, uh, he's going to come and talk to us about conservation agriculture. Jake was one of the, I suppose, has been always been one of the pioneers of the no-till system. So it's going to be, you know, interesting to, to to hear from Jake how he's using it, you know, with regard to. To, to conservation in the environment and uh, you know I've heard Jake a couple of times before and uh, he's a very very strong strong guy and obviously you know no farming conference in 2019 uh, could be could, would be complete without a, a session on Brexit um, and we've got Gail Souter who, who is based uh, you know in Stoneleaf at headquarters and she spent quite a lot of time with um, you know at the NFU in Brussels I think she was based in Brussels for a while and uh, she's going to give us a presentation as we try and unpick you know Brexit but um, good luck with that yeah Yeah, exactly exactly (laughs) it's um, yeah well she 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 has been on the firing line in in Europe for 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 quite a long time now and um, it will be it'll be interesting to hear her expertise because in Britain you know we only get what the media tells us and um, you know her being on the front line it'll be it'll be fascinating mm. but uh, our keynote speaker this year which well, I'm very excited about is uh, Professor David Hughes who is um, oh, Emeritus Professor of food, food Marketing at Imperial College in London now a lot of people probably haven't heard of David Hughes but a lot of people have and uh, he travels the world um, you know, giving presentations on on food marketing, how we can, you know, market market our food better, because I, I think in in Britain we uh, you, we don't really you know, we don't we don't use it to our, our full advantages, and I I last heard him speak a couple of years ago, and 
you, it's all a case of you know adjectives local and you know how to how to uh, how to appeal to the uh, the consumer a bit more and uh, you know he'll be really good but uh, and obviously we've got the uh, the impact group reception which I'm I'm chairman of afterwards so it's going to be uh, good to see a few people at that reception and uh, it promises to be a cracking day and um, yeah no it's 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 as a, I think this event goes from strength to strength definitely seems to doesn't it and as you say the theme there throughout really is about engagement isn't it it's about engaging with uh, people who are driving past the fields here today people who every, we all need food we all shop and it's engaging with them from a farming point of view isn't it yeah absolutely and uh yeah we do as I, as I said mentioned earlier we do need to you know we do need to get closer to the consumer and th- this conference is is going to uh y- you know hopefully give us a little guidance how and obviously you know it's, it's a great networking opportunity it's a good opportunity to go and see your peers um, there's a the, the exhibition hall will will be full of uh, exhibitors sponsors and it'll it'll be good to it'll be good to see them there's a lot a lot I know in our industry we talk to a lot of people a lot on the telephone but it's always nice when you see them face to face to face and uh, you know interact with them face to face so all in all it promises to be a cracking event that's Charles Anion who you'll see chairing the conference on Tuesday I'll be there as well with highlights from what's on the agenda on next week's programme. The Farming Programme, five-day forecast. Uh, You might remember if you're at the conference, there was snow last year. Totally different this week, plenty of sunshine and staying mild as well, thanks to those winds from the south. Today, we're looking at highs of 12, the wind south, southeast, 10 miles an hour. Clouding over overnight, staying dry though, lows of 6, the wind from the south, again around 10 miles an hour. More sunshine tomorrow, though some areas will stay overcast. Highs of 12, the wind, much the same. And Tuesday and Wednesday is again glorious, plenty of sunshine, temperatures in their mid-teens, and it'll stay that way as well through the latter end of the week. Not the rain that Sean Sparling would like, uh, but mild enough to uh, get some other jobs done on the farm. That's it for another week's uh, farming. Do say hello if you're at that conference on Tuesday. As I say, whether you're there or not, we will bring you uh, the best bits uh, next Sunday at this time. Until then. Have a good week.